Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Well, hello everyone. This is Father Anthony Tinker, along with my compatriot in arms, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. Hello, hello. How are we doing, everybody? It is Easter week. Hallelujah. We can say it again. Indeed, he is risen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Um, Very exciting time for all of us. Let's uh, just invoke the Holy Spirit to be upon us in this podcast. And we invite you uh, to come and be with us as we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, We turn our hearts to the Lord. Take a moment asking for that his resurrection glory to be upon us, his Easter glory to consume us. We might rise from the dead, rise to new life in each and every aspect of our life. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Amen. It's very exciting for many reasons for us. Yes. Uh, it's been 90 days of you know fasting. We did Ooh, Exodus 90. Boy. We also see that did Lent and, and we did the Great Fast. And yeah. here we are uh, eat, eating lots of candy and Taking hot showers, and it's been <laughs> quite glorious. Indeed, um, thanks be to God. Also, we hear pretty exciting. This is a, a big night for us. Um, it's the NCAA tournament. and That is true. Um, it's It looks like it's you and Basil, uh, who Brother are Basil, Brother Basil, I, yeah. are, who we get to determine who's going to be our house NCAA bracket winner. So congratulations, Father Peters. On I can honestly say bracket. I've never won a bracket in my entire life. Wow. And it's been an exercise of detachment, this whole NCAA tournament, not to get uh You know, I was joking that, like, I've followed basketball my entire life, and it took me to, like, not watch a single dribble of college basketball this year to get to a point where I could actually pick a bracket that might uh, win me the... Uh, the non-monetary prize, as it is. Yeah, in our quite, house. quite a good bracket. Three out of the four final four winners. Congratulations! Thank you, thank and you. And almost four. Almost so, four. Well, um, today, it, it, we are going to talk about Divine Mercy Sunday, Amen. which is this upcoming. So, this what's nice about the liturgical calendar is this whole week is Easter. Amen. We celebrate Eight days Easter, Easter every single day this week. So, an encouragement to go to mass every day this week if you're able, because you're going to hear the Gloria, you're going to hear um, the the Creed. Um, you're going to hear is the creed, right? For sure. Easter's yeah. so good. We just got to do it. Keep times. it rolling. Um, so, uh, th- this goes all the way up until divine mercy Sunday, Amen. right? Which is a, uh, a great a whole week an octave. We celebrate this great celebration. It's too big to be contained in one day. Yep. Amen. So we do a triduum to prepare for it. And we do eight days to celebrate it. Uh, and in that the Pope, uh, John Paul II declared that the second Sunday of Easter is divine mercy Sunday. Right. This was in response to uh, a revelation given from Jesus to Saint Faustina. Yeah, um, Saint Faustina was a Polish nun uh, who received visitations from the Lord in around the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And one of these, I'm just going to read from her diary. Please do. Uh, Six ninety nine. One of these revelations she received from the Lord. My daughter, tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the feast of mercy be a refuge and a shelter for all souls, and especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the font of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive holy communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day are opened all the divine floodgates through which graces flow. Let no soul fear to draw near to me. Even though its sins be as scarlet, my mercy is so great that no mind be it of man or of angel, will be able to fathom it throughout all eternity. Everything that exists has come from the depths of my most tender mercy. 
Every soul in its relation to me will contemplate my love and mercy throughout eternity. The Feast of Mercy emerged from my very depths of tenderness. It is my desire that it be solemnly celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. Mankind will not have peace until it turns to the fount of my mercy. Hmm. Amen. So this is a Lord's revelation. So this is the Lord speaking to St. Faustina. She right. physically saw him present and audibly heard his voice speaking yeah. to her. And he talks about this need for mercy. And what an important time in our lives, important time in, in church history, in world history, yeah. um, that the Lord has, has revealed in the ni- early 1930s and, and has really um, become a great devotion of the church, this call to focus on mercy, to pray the chapel of divine mercy, to look upon the divine mercy image, to look upon and fathom his great mercy. And so how important it is that we take that Sunday in particular where, I mean, God's merciful 365 days a year, but he's asked for a specific day. Like yeah. there's a day when we remember his sacred heart, his memory day, yeah. we remember his resurrection, remember his crucifixion, remember his, his birth. There's a certain day we just focus on mercy. Yeah, We focus on a God who is merciful to us and desires to be merciful to us. Yeah, And it's it's... It's the, what the cross is. It's God's mercy and love being poured forth upon all of us. And I, I'm, I'm just touched personally, just touched that God is so merciful. And I think of my own life and how far in one sense I was from God. I never stopped believing in him, but it was, I was a Sunday mass Catholic, you know, for a while and just kind of um, only prayed when I needed him and prayed before tests and such. But I think my heart was given over to the Lord. And despite my heart being away from him and you know, not being grateful, not being thankful, uh, he still reached out with mercy and continues to reach out with mercy. The fact that I'm a priest and still sin um, and still have to go to confession, still have to ask for mercy, and God continues to have mercy upon me is is it, it's such so beautiful to contemplate. It's uh, so I'm, I'm all filled with Lent still a little bit, just some of the the, the Lenten reflections, and uh, you were talking about how that that's what the cross is, that the cross is mercy. And so one of the prayers that we pray during Lent, um, the, the week right before uh, Holy Week, and we call it Passion Tide, Passion Week, that the, um, that the preface for the Mass talks about how the cross is, um, is the revelation of the Lord's judgment upon the world. Um, that the cross reveals to us what is the Lord's judgment, and that judgment then is mercy, uh, that the Lord is merciful towards us, that that's what the cross reveals to us, the, the merciful heart of the Lord, um, and, that, and that's just so beautiful that that's what the cross is, um, that the cross is the revelation of the Lord's mercy for us. So this is really important for us, important for our world, that the cross is a sign of God's love and mercy, because it's a contradiction for us. When we are filled with, as humanity, you know, anger, as uh, when we crucify him, our right. sins put him, yeah. you know, we're filled with this, uh, this unfortunate, you know, that, that as so much as we want to say we'd be John Beloved and Mary, and hopefully we would, <laughs> that the majority of the people there were crying, crucify him, crucify him, right. or they weren't there. Yeah, that the large majority either weren't present at all who knew him or were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And so our hearts have to recognize that despite the fact that it was out of, that we are the ones, we use humanity, killed him, yeah. killed our savior, that he used our killing him, his death on the cross, uh, as if we were the actors, you know, he was in control the whole time. Right. First, 
the outpouring of mercy. And as the blood and water poured forth from his side, he's opening up the grace of baptism. Yeah. He's opening up the grace of the Eucharist. He's yeah. opening up the church. It's pouring forth from his heart. Yeah. This great love he has for us. And so when we look at that, we look at the great contradiction of the cross. We look at a God who says, I love you even unto death. Yeah. No greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. No, amen. Amen to that. And And that we so often in our relationship um, with the Lord um, project onto him all of our baggage and our wounds and our brokenness. And so um, we project onto him that he is harsh, uh, that he is cruel, that he is demanding, that he is exacting. Um, that he is out to get us, out to punish us, because this is what our human experiences have taught us. Um, and then we then project that onto the Lord. Um, and so how beautiful then that the Lord would come to us uh, in this unique grace, and this unique um, revelation that he gave to St. Faustina in the 20th century, and then how that has then um, spread to um, all corners of, of of the Catholic world that this this deepening and understanding and revelation of who God really is um, that He is mercy and that there is no sinner and there is no sin um, that cannot seek refuge and forgiveness in His mercy and that um, we so often tire of going to the well to receive mercy um, and we tell ourselves all the different ways in which we don't deserve it. Um, and, and, and thanks be to God that, that he is ever ancient and ever new, uh, and that the scriptures tell us that his mercies are new every day, um, and that he never tires, that God never gr grows tired of anything, that, that he is eternal. Um, so he never grows tired of forgiving us. He never grows tired of loving us. He never grows tired of of giving us his mercy. It is an inexhaustible well. It is an ocean um, that we can never, ever uh, drink um, uh, to, th to the depths of, that, that there's always, always more for. It. And so it is, it's so beautiful. It's so good. It, it should give us um, great confidence in, in who our God is for us. And in that, God's not like us. I know you just said that, but I want to repeat it because we don't forgive. Right? Yeah. We hold on, <laughs> right? When someone hurts yeah, us, man. and not only, so not only is it like, I don't, you know, uh, I don't think God can forgive me. I'm filled with shame. I'm filled with guilt. Yeah. It's also like, I don't forgive people. Yeah. Right? I hold on to grudges. I hold on to anger. I hold on to bitterness. And so we just assume that's how God is. Right. We assume that out of our own weakness, that, that God just looks like us. We're just like Adam and Eve making ourselves God again, yeah. you know, or yeah. um, trying to be like God. Where. What's beautiful about the Lord is he's not like us at all. Thanks be to God. It yeah. is a great thanksgiving to all of us that he is not like us at all. And so we need to remember that when we come to Divine Mercy Sunday, this call to experience mercy, to turn to mercy, is that he doesn't hold on to grudges. Amen. He doesn't hold on to bitterness and anger and resentment towards us. He doesn't think, well, yeah, you're here at Divine Mercy Sunday, but I know what you did, you know, <laughs> in 2020. Uh, yeah. It was a bad year for you. I know yeah. this, that, and the other. He, he's ever ancient, ever new. Mm -hmm. That he desires to show mercy. In the, in the diary, it says, I desire souls to walk through my door right. of mercy. If they right. don't walk through the door of mercy, they'd be forced to walk through the door of justice. Yeah. 
He's opening this door of mercy. He's asking us to yeah. come to his heart. Yeah. So what is Divine Mercy Sunday, and what are the conditions of Divine Mercy Sunday? Let's do it. So Lay it out. <laughs> Divine Mercy Sunday is the second Sunday after Easter. And the conditions, it comes with a plenary indulgence if we do the things that are, that come uh, naturally with a, <clears throat> uh, the experience of going to, uh, any plenary indulgence. Right. Which means you got to go to communion, go to confession, and pray for the Holy Father. Mm-hmm. And that uh, praying for the Holy Father includes an Our Father and the uh, creed and one other prayer. Right. Um, and... So we go to confession, we go to communion. The confession can be eight days before, eight days after. Right. And the communion has to be the day of, or is it eight days before, eight days no, after? No, no, So communion, you have about a week. Okay. Confession, you have about three weeks. Oh, okay. You have about 21 days Okay. Um, to, to uh, fulfill that one. And then you say the prayers for the Holy Father, and then you are to be detached from, from sin. And then... It, it, it's kind of vague, but it just says something along the lines of prayers and devotions in honor of the divine of divine mercy. Sure, that could be as simply as devotion to the divine mercy image. image yeah, uh, which is such a beautiful image. Let's just stop mm-hmm. and pause there for yeah. a second. Yeah, of this beautiful image that Saint Faustina was given. The Lord appeared to her and says, "I want this image painted." And this beautiful image painted, and she's like, "I wish it was as glorious as, <laughs> as he actually appeared to me." Yeah. And blood and water. There's these red red rays and white rays coming out of Jesus. It's resurrected Jesus. Yeah. His resurrected form is in a white cloak. And the rays are coming out, which symbolizes blood, symbolizes water. And at the end, bottom, it says, Jesus, I trust in you. Yeah. That of all the things God could focus on, to focus on mercy, right? That he could have put any images he wanted yeah. to. But how did he want to reveal mercy? He wanted to reveal mercy first by showing and pointing to his heart. And the blood and water which flowed forth from his heart, which reminds us of the cross. Yeah. Reminds us of the Eucharist, which is represented in the blood. Reminds us of the, the bapt- our baptism. Right. And so we remember that in baptism, we were cleansed. We, our nature put on a supernature. We, we can't naturally be united to God. Yeah. But God did the work through our baptism to transform us, to put on the supernature to be united to God. And then he feeds us as children. You know, he feeds us. We've talked about um, you and I have talked about the beauty of receiving communion on the tongue. Mm-hmm. Don't want to go on this tangent right now, but there is an aspect where their church fathers talked about why they received on the tongue was because they were being fed yeah. like children, because Jesus is the one doing the feeding to feed the soul. Right. And then it says, Jesus, I trust in you. Yeah. No, I love that, that of all the there. phrases he could say, mm-hmm. it doesn't say, Jesus, be merciful, or I am merciful. It, 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 it's focused on trust, mm-hmm. which I think we have to contemplate. What that particularly means, what, God is, what is God trying to tell us by instead of fo- using the phrase mercy in that phrase he says, he puts the phrase trust. Yeah. Because we know he's merciful in our mind, but we've got to trust in that mercy. Yeah. We've got to trust that, okay, I know God's merciful, but I don't necessarily think he's always merciful for me. Right. Yeah, he's merciful <clears throat> for other people or he's merciful for some of my sins, but that he's 100% merciful all the time for all people who seek after mercy can be difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. And so he's saying, he's asking us to say, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in your mercy. I trust in the cross. I trust in what you've done for me. Yeah. It's, you're, you're so right. The, just that banner there is, is um, it's so moving. It's so striking. It's, it's so important. Um, I just want to keep rambling adjectives right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop myself. Um, but just that, that the, the trust that the Lord um, 
gives us to to put on our lips as a prayer, Jesus, I trust in you, that um, that it's there, that the mercy is there. Um, it exists, it's real, it's there for the taking. Um, there's nothing lacking or deficient on that end. Um, the trouble is on our end where where we get afraid, we get insecure, we get anxious that that it's not there. Um, and so you can think of, of an image uh, of a child who all of a sudden becomes insecure or anxious when when they're in a room with people and they and they cannot find mom and dad, um, and and that as soon as they find mom and dad again that they feel secure, um, and that it, it's it's very similar to us that 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 the dad's in the room, um, the father's in the room, Jesus is in the room, the Holy Spirit's in the room, the mercy is there, and that. Um, the minute we lose sight of it, the minute that we turn our eyes on ourselves or our brokenness or our sins and, and all those things, then we become anxious, we become afraid, we become um, distrusting, we become unfaithful. And so the Lord is just calling us back just to trust, just to trust, just to trust that there is no sin you can commit. Um, there is no number of sins you can commit. Um, there is no level of depravity. There is no level of um, apathy. No level of 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 addiction that that the Lord's mercy cannot redeem. And that's what we just celebrated um, with Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. That that the Lord goes the whole ways down into the depths of human brokenness to redeem all of it, all of it, all of it. And so there is nothing, um, there is no sin, there is no number of sins that we could ever commit that that would disqualify us from his mercy. And so uh, he just invites us to to trust in that. And we put that prayer on our lips, Jesus, I trust in you. Right. And so we pause because people often say, well, Father, the scriptures say there's an unforgivable sin, right? If I sin against the Holy Spirit, there's an unforgivable sin. And I think I've committed that. And I've heard, I, I think I've committed okay. this. Yeah. And so what does the church say about this? The church points in two different directions to what this unforgivable sin looks like. And it looks like, one, pride. Pride that says, I don't need forgiveness for whatever reason. That I, for whatever reason, I'm usually so wrapped up in sin that I don't need forgiveness. Yeah. I've, I've turned to be Lucifer, that I've become my own God. I don't need the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. Or two, despair, that actually God can never forgive me. That yeah. what I've done is too big for the cross. Yeah. That despair is is actually doubting how efficacious the grace of the cross is. Yeah. And so the unforgivable sin is not a particular no, no action that you have done um, that it's so bad that you can never be forgiven. It is act it is the action of not seeking the forgiveness and the mercy. Right. So there's if as long as you're seeking forgiveness and mercy, humbly recognizing I am a sinner, yeah. I'm in need of sin, and asking for that forgiveness then God will forgive. Yeah. He always will forgive if we repent with a true heart that says, I truly am sorry for what I've done and don't want to do it again. Yeah, I mean, what you just did there is um, that th these two opposing virtues, pride um, or, and, and then particularly um, just the sin of presumption, you know what I mean? That, that I don't need sin, you just presume um, and then despair. And, and the virtue in the middle of that is hope, uh, that we hope. Um, that we have a real hope. Um, and it's not a human hope where it's like, well, I hope I win the bracket tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where um, 
it's a it's a hope that is founded in the reality of who God is that I hope in my salvation that that God has already worked it for me and that I am I'm working that out and in, in, in fear and trembling and receiving it as the gift that it is and, and experiencing that reality in deeper ways through through hope through faith and through love and, and so um, that that we have that trust um, that we have that trust that um, that when I reach out in hope, um, that I'm going to grab the thing um, uh, with a level of certainty, uh, because God has has done it for us. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. It is the middle. It is the ground yeah. that prevents us from entering into these two paths of be walking away from mercy. Amen. It yeah. keeps us centered in mercy. Yeah. Another one of the devotions talking about you know getting this this indulgence is a plenary indulgence. What does a plenary indulgence means? It is the forgiveness of all sin and punishment due to sin. The, yeah, the, the temporal punishment for sin. When we did confession, we talked about, you know, there's the, you can break the window in somebody's house, you can ask forgiveness for them, but there's still a broken window. Yeah. And so there's temporal punishments. You know, there are, there are purgatory, the cleansing of that. Yeah. And so this plenary indulgence, that not only are all your sins forgiven, but all these punishments due to sin, the justice required, is wiped out. Right. And you can actually apply this to your own soul or to souls in purgatory, Correct. souls for a loved one. Ask for a plenary indulgence to go to the holy souls in purgatory or to a soul that you might be praying for. Correct. Um, but another devotion, so we talk about how you need to go to confession, go to communion, pray for the Holy Father, and seek, you know, do kind of some kind of participation in this focus on divine mercy. Another, probably, if you're at your parish, the uh, thing that might be done is the praying of the chaplet of divine mercy. Yeah, amen. Which is a beautiful, beautiful it prayer is. that I, uh, is recommended to pray at three o'clock, um, but obviously any time is a great prayer. It's also recommended to be prayed in the presence of the dying. Yeah. I know when I do anointings or I'm with the, with the dying and they're actively dying, I, I start praying the chaplet. And yeah. I usually try to gather with the family and pray the chaplet if, uh, after I've done the, the prayers of the church. In this prayer, there's, we pray the Our Father, pray the Hail Mary, pray the Creed. And there's two particular prayers that it's really focused on. Yeah. The first one being, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood soul and divinity of your dearly beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. So it's a prayer to the Father. Mm -hmm. What are you offering the Father? Well, the body, the blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly yeah. beloved son. What should that remind us of? The Eucharist. Yeah. You know, but the angels take take this offering, right? Yeah. And bring it before you, right? Yeah. That we are offering to the Father, through the Holy Spirit, the sacrifice that was made on the cross every yeah. single time we go to Mass. And so the chaplet, as we're praying it, should, should draw our hearts back to the cross, to draw our hearts back to the representation of the, the sacrifice of Calvary every time we go to Mass. Yeah. And then, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Yeah. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, we're mm -hmm. focused on the passion of the Lord. And for, the, for his passion, have mercy. Not because of me, not because I'm exactly. sweet, not because I'm <laughs> great, not because yeah. I have all this merit and goodness. Yeah. You know, people often like, oh, Father, it's because you're holy, right? Oh, yeah. Father, because it's <laughs> it's because he's holy. It's because yeah. he's you know, and the more I can conform my heart to his heart, yeah. the better my life is. Yeah. No, it's 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 just focusing on us on on what Jesus has done for us, and it's and it's and it's turning um, the eyes of the Father, if you will, if I can use this uh, analogy, um, off of our own sins and onto uh, the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Um, that this perfect offering that Jesus made for us. And so we say, Father, I offer you that. I offer you your son back to you um, who made this perfect offering on my behalf. I have no merits on my own, um, but but your son does. Um, and he did them for me. Uh, and so I offer you that, Father. 
and then and then we pray um, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, um, Father, for for the sake of your Son's passion, have mercy on us. That that and that and that this is what Jesus is doing for us. That now that he has ascended and he sits at the right hand of the Father, that he intercedes for us. Um, I don't want to say he's reminding the Father of of what he did on the cross for us, but um, but he is now. Um, has redeemed it and is now with the Father and has offered that sacrifice and has brought um, our humanity into heaven now um, for all eternity. And and so now we receive um, the fruits of what he did for us. Um, and so now we can now enter into the Son's offering. Um, and so we offer, every time we offer the Son, that the Son who has adopted our humanity um, brings us with him. So why now? Why, why now in the history of the church? We've been around for 2,000 years why didn't God just lay it all out 2,000 years ago, tell us, here's everything that you should know, here's all the prayers, here's everything you need. Why, why is this, why are we emphasizing this? That we, uh, in church history, is relatively recent. I mean, this, is yeah, less no, than, this recent, devotion yeah. is less than 100 years old. Yeah. And it was revealed to Faustina, but I highly recommend reading a little bit about her, but it was actually suppressed for a while, this journal. So it's not really become extremely a popular devotion, except in the past you know, yeah. 50 or so years, less than that. And so this is very recent in church history, yeah. yet it has become very, very popular and, and very important. I think it's something that John Paul, St. John Paul II said, we're having a specific day to focus on yeah. divine mercy because this is how much the world needs it right now. Um, so why now? Well, first, that why not? Why didn't God just reveal it all at the beginning? Let's go to the wedding of Cana. What happens? There's the wine they're serving. They'd run out of wine. And Mary goes to Jesus and she says, they're out of wine. What does it have to do with me? You know? Speaks woman, you know, they spoke focused on the new Eve. And then he says, fill the water. And they fill it up. And they go and they take the wine, they bring it to the head waiter. And what does he say? Normally you serve the 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 best wine first mm. and the the later wine later, the other wine uh later, but you've saved the best wine till now. Mm. You've saved the best wine till now. That God ever ancient ever knew. He continues to reveal his yeah. heart to us. Yeah. Right? That that there's there's something that, that he continues he's so He's so deep. I, who he, in who yeah. he is, we'll never fully comprehend <clears throat> God. We'll never understand the Trinity. We'll never understand his love. We'll never understand his mercy. We'll never comprehend who he is. And as we read that quote from St. Faustina earlier, like you're going to spend your eternity just dwelling on his love and mercy. That's how in, unfathomable it is. And so the fact that he reveals himself in a deeper way, and, 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 and this isn't new. We've known God's merciful for 2,000 <laughs> years. Sure, yeah. But there's this devotion to focus on the mercy of God is because... Uh, the world needs it right now. We can get into that in a second. But but he's just continuing to reveal new wine. There's yeah. a new wine. And that doesn't mean that the new wine's always better, that, oh, we just have to keep, keep the new thing is always the best thing. Our tradition's really important. Our history is really important. We have to continue to focus on what the church fathers have said, what God revealed to the, the fathers in the Middle Ages, um, the scholastics, and what God's revealing now. But to say that it's not, well, everything in the past is great and everything now is terrible. It's not everything now is great and everything in the right, past is terrible. Right. It's that God continues to reveal himself. And there are these times when there's these um, devotional practices that can bear fruit in many souls and, and can bear bear fruit because, again, we're, it's all focused back on the Eucharist, the source and summit, to say, yeah. eternal Father, I'm offering you. Yeah. I'm going back to the community, the body and the blood, soul and divinity of our dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ, for the world now, which is in desperate need. Yeah. And, and maybe just to kind of, you see, you, that's a very beautiful theological explanation of that, and I, I'll just maybe give a little, a little historical one. I'll try to control myself, um, but that um, I, I don't want to fall into the fallacy that like um, 
that were somehow different than past generations or or, or worse um, or things like that. But but we do live in a particular age that um, that is rejecting God outright. Um, that all of humans for all of human history believed in some kind of God. Um, that they were they had they they believed in something. Um, and now we live in this very strange time in human history where people are rejecting God outright, where the, the, there's this atheistic philosophy that is wreaking havoc upon on the world and human souls. And so um, that, that the need for mercy um, is, I think, in a particular response to the particular evils of our day, for sure. And... I think that gets to why we're talking about Divine Mercy Sunday. When we look around the world, we look around the church, everyone who's listening to us, ourselves included, have loved ones who've walked away from God, who've walked away from the church, who are struggling. We know people who are in desperate need of God's mercy, Yeah. which is why, one, we just say, Jesus, I trust in you, not to despair in the midst yeah. of great difficulties in our country, in our world, in our church, but also to say, I'm going to pray. My response is not to get angry. My response is not to somehow solve all the problems of the world. My response is to follow the Holy Spirit to pray for mercy. Amen. All right, we are running low on time. And so we, I want to know, Father Peter Teresa, about what the McConnells did for Easter. Like, what did, what did it look like when you were growing up as a child? What did Easter Sunday look like for you? So uh, the Easter bunny would always hide our Easter baskets. Uh, and so there was always a great scavenger hunt uh, Easter morning trying to find our respective uh, Easter baskets. The whole basket. It wasn't not Easter eggs. No, no, got the, whole basket basket oh, wow. the whole basket Woo! was hidden. The whole basket was hidden. And so uh, I remember as I was getting older, uh, I was probably in high school at this point, and uh, the Easter bunny, if you will, <laughs> was still hiding our baskets for us, which was a great fun. And I remember that the Easter bunny hid the basket in my bed. Um, and so I got out of bed and started looking everywhere in the house for the basket and could not find it um, because the Easter Bunny was, I think I must have, yeah, I, I, he was particularly clever that year. But that was always a lot of fun, searching for our Easter baskets on Easter. That's awesome. The Tinker family uh, reunion was on Easter. So my dad's oh, side of the family beautiful. always got together on usually Thursday um, and spent, you know, definitely Friday night, we're all together. Um, not... We the, the liturgy was not necessarily entirely the focus. It was, we were all Catholics. I went to church on Sunday. We didn't do the Thursday, Friday, Saturday evening masses because Friday we'd gather as a family. We'd have a fish fry. Uh, it was always nice. usually a competition. It became a competition with my brothers and my uncle, which always was very tasty. <laughs> we would make what's called the tinker kebab. Mm. Um, I'm not going to explain the recipe to the faithful. It's a family to, secret. It's we a can't family do that. secret. We can't divulge that on the air. Yeah, it's, uh, it's magical. <laughs> and uh, and then we'd make them on Saturday. I'd smoke them all Saturday morning and eat these uh, delicious tinker kebabs on uh, Saturday. And then um, on Sunday, we'd just sit around, you know, hang out, play dominoes, hang out as a family. It's kind of an all-day affair, take a nap. And then on Sunday morning, we'd get up, we'd go to church, we'd do the Easter egg hunt and nice. head back home. So it was a it was a real blast. I, I run around, I have a lot of great memories yeah, of Easter. Awesome. Kind of getting together with the tinker family. Yeah. All right, God bless, and a final blessing. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And may Amen. God bless you all. God Happy bless Easter. you guys. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. 
The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.